Jesus said, when the Son of Humanity comes and all the angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by God, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then the king will say to those at his left hand, You are accursed, depart from me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Hear this ancient witness from yesterday. This is where we typically would sing something like, Glory to God. It's a hard one to sing when Jesus, who we're glorifying, is separating sheep from goats and throwing goats into eternal damnation. It's a hard one to sing after separation. And isn't that the truth of holidays sometimes? It's Hard to sing different songs, a song of family, when sometimes when we're gathering with family, it's so divided, separated, and sadly, so often around Jesus anyway. The holidays. I disassociate during holiday gatherings. That's where, like, I'm up here, and I'm watching my body participate in all of this And I'm typically right around here when the meal starts. It's a trauma response. It's a response from the terror of being separated, cleaved. For me, it's a response to my own traumas of separation and shame around the holidays, the terror of being cut off or cut out for who I was, who I am. In my youth, I would counteract this reality by being the loudest, most energetic one at the table. I don't know if anybody can imagine that, but I would just got louder and louder and louder the more uncomfortable I got. And then when I got a little bit older, I countered this terror of separation with feelings of self-rejection, internalized homophobia, self-judgment. I was still really loud, though. (laughs) Don't worry. That doesn't actually go away with me. And then about six years ago, I made my family of origins holiday table optional for me. I didn't have to have a seat at the table of oppression. I didn't have to have a seat at a table of what my father calls the force of opposition. I wasn't there anyways. I was often up here looking around. I still want a seat sometimes, but I don't need it. And this is like an ongoing lesson and practice for me that I don't have to have a seat at every table. Not every table is healthy for me to be at. Sometimes I need to let others be my advocate at the table. Sometimes I need to be in the lazy chair in the living room. Sometimes I need to be somewhere else. So in this season of table gathering that is upon us, whether your seat is at the table and it's a really comfortable one or whether it's filled with tension or whether you're not there at all, know this, you belong. You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong, you belong. As we read this text together today, know this, 
You belong, you belong, you belong. And as we read this text together, know that I have gone round and round with Jesus in this text this week. You should ask the worship team. I had some choice words for Jesus earlier in the week, and they weren't very people first. I've wrestled with Jesus because Jesus is typically our belonging brother. He's the one who shows up and gathers together those who have been marginalized. He's the one drawing the circle ever wider. He's advocating for the disenfranchised and the oppressed. I mean, he's the one who's flipping the tables when not everyone can have an equal seat at them. He's our belonging champion. But that doesn't seem to be where he is in Matthew 25. I mean, I get it. At the time we get to Matthew 25, Jesus has been preaching for days. And he's been with the same people, and he's probably got sermon fatigue. I'm with him, but he really loses me in the end of Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 31 through 32. When the Son of Humanity, that's Jesus, when the Son of Humanity comes in all of his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory, and the angels will be gathered before him, the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, Jesus will separate the people one from another. For the record, I didn't pick this text. This is a lectionary text. You know that calendar that kind of guides our Christian year? This is a lectionary text, and it is what is referred to as a final judgment text. And that's what the powers that be thought would be perfect for the Sunday after Thanksgiving. (laughs) What we need is a final judgment text after we've all been together in one house with three bedrooms and one bathroom and 15 people. What we need is a judgment text to remind us that we just need some separation. After a week that can be really complicated for some of us, we get a judgment text. And it's pretty sadly poetic how often this scripture lives out its harm. The Son of Man, Jesus, comes in his glory and separates the people one from the other, goat from the sheep, in from the out, good from the bad, righteous from unrighteous. Jesus separates them all. This is unfortunately a really popular move in some of our families, in our politics, in our churches today. Jesus is this tool for separating the goats from the sheep, one from the other. I like to call this Judgment Jesus. It's not my favorite showing up of Jesus in our our biblical narrative, but it's here with us today, and so we've got to find a way to hold it together. The Son of Humanity separates them all, one from another. Judgment Jesus. So why did he say it? Why is it here at all, and what do we do with it? Well, first, we take a deep breath. We turn to our neighbors. We look them in the eye, and we say, you belong. Go ahead. You belong. You belong. You belong. You belong. Because we need to remember that we belong As we are looking at this text, what stuck out to me is one of our core truths of this season of our spiritual calendar, and that is that Jesus was fully human. We're moving into Advent, we're moving into birth, 
It's an important part of our theology, of our Christian tradition, that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. It's kind of a big thing about Christ. We're entering this very season that's dedicated to his birth. We're all moving towards Christmas. Jesus is the Son of God. And in our text today, as he's introduced, the Son of Humanity. And I think in this text, Jesus is really showing off his humanity. To remove all doubt that Christ is fully human, let's just cue up a lesson of how we can divide ourselves. I guess there's like a piece of me that's like, thank you, Jesus, for showing us your real fleshy side. Like, this is real, like, real authentic humanness. Like, you nailed it. Very realistic. But if you could just stick to being God, inclusive and loving and boundless, that would make me feel a lot more comfortable. But in this text, I think the message for me today, where I landed this week as I wrestled and cursed, is that Jesus was very human. And his moments when he's humaning very hard, and I'm pretty sure that's a word when you just human out, when he's humaning really hard and he's separating and he's condemning and he's like this, I don't know if you feel this way, but I really want full, full God back. I miss our divine brother of belonging. I want to skip this type of text and move on to text where Jesus is healing and loving and doing some really God things. We long for the Jesus who sat at the table with everyone, especially those who were cast out. Where is our God? As we enter the season of Advent and the season of anticipating the birth of Jesus, I wonder if Jesus' most human act was being born. Is the humanness of Jesus most on display in his physical birth at the manger? Or perhaps in some texts like this, perhaps in some of these judgment texts where he's separating people one from another. Is this the real way that we recognize Jesus as one of us? We're like, oh yeah, I, know, I got that. It's not very comforting. And I promised a comforting word for this Sunday. So here's the comfort. At least this is where I found comfort in my wrestling with the text this week, is that when we reject, are you with me? When we reject separation and division, when we see the truth that sometimes we're all a little bit like sheep, and we're all a little bit like goats, if we can remember at the end of the day that we all eat garbage and say, bah, if we can remember that we are all sheep and goat and that we all belong at the same trough, if we can remember that we live and belong, then we can get in touch with the divine that is within us. When the Jesus narrative that we cling to is one of judgment and division, Perhaps it's an indicator that we're really loving the humanness of Jesus. But we're missing or ignoring some of Jesus' divinity. Jesus, our brother, was both fully human and fully divine. Just as we, made in the image of the Creator, are fully human and have the spark of divinity within us. The question is, what nature are we living into today? All right, one more time because I need to hear it. Turn to your neighbor and tell them they belong. Turn to me and tell me I belong. When we can say that, when we can live that, 
belonging for everyone, 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 we are embodying our divine nature, leaning in and showing off that God within us. In our text today, Jesus, the son of humanity, separates the goats from the sheep, but it's that same Jesus whom we will remember later at this table, Jesus, the son of God, who gathers together all of them back for a meal and for connection. And like Jesus, our brother, we have it all within us, our human nature and our divine spark. Let's live into our divinity today, gathering one another together, ensuring that everyone knows that they're welcome at our tables. Amen, church? May it be so.